Well, here this afternoon, well, if I can see some of you, the, uh, like right here, the floods kind of keep me from seeing the rest of the group here. So you guys having a blast with your uh, Christmas shopping? Well, hopefully we haven't had any, within the uh, congregation, any of the uh, Walmart or Target or Best Buy incidents that have been in the news the uh, last few weeks between getting maced over a $39 phone or an Xbox or... Uh, I got enough excitement at home. I don't, I don't need to deal with those uh, Black Fridays or Cyber Mondays or whatever else it is that's taking place out there. Football did, or, uh, with uh, Christmas, though, did kind of come early today for the Steelers. Bengals kind of wrapped that up real nice for them. I think it was 735 was the uh, final score. Steelers won. We got any Bronco fans out there? Yeah, I'm starting to get that way. I like Tim Tebow, man. He gets all kinds of negative press, but he goes after it. He's a hard worker. You know, the thing we're talking about here today, though, as we uh, kick off our series is, do you hear? You know, as Elias shared earlier, uh, he was at a restaurant and he had the uh, jingle bells going there with, I guess, one of the waitresses. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to hear today, especially when it comes to the message of the cross. Uh, the message of Jesus Christ. There's just so many incredible distractions. You know, whether it's again, the, those, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, parking lot issues, family issues. A lot of stuff goes on at this time of year. With that, I want to kind of start us out with, uh, a video that'll hopefully t- help us step into the right mode when it comes to proper worship.
Now, hopefully that isn't us today, right? But, you know, I, I think we've all had those moments. I know there are times in my life where I felt like I'm just going through the motions. There's so many things going on in life that I become self-focused. I lose sight of others. I lose sight of God. I lose sight of what Jesus Christ has in store for me personally in my life. And, you know, we, we can laugh about that, but so many times we can walk out of here on a Sunday afternoon, what soon will be Sunday mornings as we go back to our morning services, amen, and come Monday, this is all just an aged memory. Now, as we head into Christmas, what, when we think of scenes of Christmas, what's one of the first scenes that comes to mind? The Nativity? I think I heard that. That kind of what we come, is that kind of what comes to mind right there? Jesus in the manger? Now, I had a song that went along with this. Do we, do we have any audio or? Well, I guess, guess, there we go. I, I grew up with Bing Crosby. I think just with that, though, you know, again, when it comes to the season, it's amazing how that little nativity scene becomes the focus. And even that's trying to be pushed to the wayside now, and that when it comes to any uh, our, our public facilities, government facilities, they don't want even that little reminder out there anymore. So when it comes to Christmas... You know, we think about that manger scene. There is something that's special about it. And I think ultimately it has to do with that little baby that's in the manger. I mean, do we not find babies special? I know that we've, we've got one back there, Lena Chow and Ken's baby. And my wife goes nuts whenever they come by the house. And she reminds herself she's grateful for the vasectomy that I had many, many years ago. Because she's afraid of what might take place in a moment of weakness when we think of those babies. I'm going to get a little self-indulgent here for a moment. I had a couple of my own. That's my son Stephen when, I think he was about six months old. Shailene and Stephen. She's the cutest darn thing or what? There she is, little Miss Hollywood. And you know, that's exactly what happens when we see babies. What, what were the noises going on in here? Bunch of oohs and ahs. And, you know, and it, it's something about a child at that stage. Are they confrontational? Do they challenge us? You know, for the most part, they look cute. Every once in a while, they make a stink in the diaper and, you know, they got to be fed. But by and large, there isn't really... We don't feel challenged by them. I think it's one of the reasons that Jesus, so much of the focus is on the manger today and not the cross. Got another video I want to uh, show for a second here. Dear Lord, Jesus, what does our brothers to the South call you? Hey, Diggs, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest and dominant pay and see Always delicious taco bell. I just want to take time to say thank you to my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranch. Thank you all. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible bag. It smells terrible, my daughter, old father. Dear Tommy, thank you, Jesus. Hey, Tom, you're sweet. 
Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd not to put the prayer baby. I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm thankful. Did you say Christmas? It's like Jesus, Jesus, or bearded Jesus, or whoever? You love one? I wish you'd do this great thing. So that God would listen to him. You're kind of nice. Golden, fleeced divers, just a kind of little fat ball up his palms. a man, and a beard. Look, I like the man's version the best, do you hear me? I like the race and I get the money. Okay. Beer, eight pound, six ounce. <laughs> Don't even know the word yet. Just still ain't been so clever. Mm. But still wrong. Mm. We just like to roll races up on one Twenty-one, two million dollars. Woo! 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 Love that money! That I accrued over this past season. Also due to a bag of endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say the Powerade is delicious, mm. and it cools you off on a hot summer day. We look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your Powerade praises you're making it all. You know, we think about babies again. They are incredible. There's something about them. They really work on our hearts. I know with the, the advent of the birth of both of mine, it really softened me up immensely in a lot of different areas. From the age of 13 to 32, I was agnostic. When my kids were born, kind of made me start thinking, you know, maybe there's something else going on out there. And I think, uh, obviously, what uh, we're missing up here is that Jesus did grow up. He left the manger. And with that, there were some things that he threw out there. There were some things that he said. There were some things that we need to listen to. Things that we need to apply to our lives. Because that baby, again, transitioned out of the manger and eventually ended up on a cross so that we'd have the opportunity to have a relationship with God. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You know, if we're really willing to listen to Jesus, that's the impact that He can have on us today. He can soften up that heart. You know, these are challenging times. A lot of different things going on, whether it be the economy, challenges within our families. As we get older, as a congregation, there are are deaths that we have to deal with within our families. A lot of things that can distract us from the right relationship with God. I know when I first started dating Jackie, I used to hang on to every single word. She'll, uh, she tells the story a little bit differently than I do, but I remember, uh, now we, we dated for a month, we're engaged for a month, and then got married. Somewhere in that two month period of time, there were a few phone conversations where I would get on the phone with her at, say, 10 o'clock at night, and it was probably four or five, six hours later that she eventually said goodbye to me. I, I think she was trying several times to get me off the phone prior to that, but, uh, I, it was amazing what we could talk about or what I could listen to. Now, I, I don't know what happens if it's the, the age thing or, or what. You know, I, I say what a lot more today. I don't know if I'm hanging on the words quite the same way. But, you know, same thing with our kids. It's amazing how we can sit there and listen to all the little sounds and warbles and everything that they make. But as, as they get older, sometimes things change up a little bit. And I think our hearts can get a little calloused. Um, any of you guys work with your hands out there at all? We got a few of you. 
You know, I, I do from time to time, and I do in the gym, and this ring finger in particular, I mean, there's calluses all the way across the tops of my hands. What causes calluses? Repetitive wear, cuts, abrasions. And I think that's how it can happen with our hearts. Our hearts can get hard from those same things. Repeated stress, wear, injuries. You know, when we start out as kids, we don't start that way. We're warm, we're loving, we're vulnerable, but as time goes on, things happen. And that's one of the reasons I think Jesus states that unless you change become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, there may be some of you in the audience today where you're about to give up on religion because of what you see as hypocrisy around you. Others, you're just tired of doing the God thing because... For whatever reason, it seems like things didn't turn out quite the way that you anticipated that they would in your life. You're disappointed in God. Others, you, you can't see yourself changing. Maybe there's a habitual sin in your life that you've tried to overcome time and time and time again. You find yourselves back at that same doorstep again. Others, maybe you don't see your need for God. You know, hey, my life's pretty good. Things haven't come crashing down on me yet. I don't really need this God thing. I'll, I'll turn to God when I'm older or I'm, I've got health issues or I'm feeling more challenged. And then others, maybe it's been, you've just been around for a while and you feel like you're, you're just going through the motions. You're numb. No longer excited about your spirituality. Well, our primary text today is going to come out of Matthew 13. Another thing that I think when Jesus says that he throws it out there about becoming like a child, I want to encourage you to open yourself on up today to that mentality. Be, be willing to listen to what Jesus says. Now, we all have ears, right? Can I have everybody find them for me for a minute? you got to use both hands. you got two of them, right? Okay, we've established that. Look around. Everybody out here has got ears, so we can listen. Amen? Jesus told his followers, Blessed are your ears because they hear. The only thing I'm asking you today is to decide that you have ears that will hear God's voice and decide to respond to follow and to obey what he's telling you. We'll go ahead and start here in uh, Matthew 13. In uh, verse 12. Matthew 13, verse 12, it says, Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And then is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, the people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now we're going to back up in this passage for a minute here and take a look at the story that Jesus was telling in this passage, which was about a farmer scattering seed. Now, warning, I know that this is something you've probably heard before, we're going to take a little bit different approach on it and take a look at how to hear God's voice. Again, Jesus closes this story out by saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, we've established that. We've got the ability to do that here today. Amen? We're going to uh, continue in Matthew 13. 
in uh, verse 9. Now, what do we have here in front of us? It's a path. You know, going back to the time of Jesus, again, Jesus speaks in parables. He gave people something that they knew so they would, he could give them insight to the spiritual aspect of that that he was teaching. In Jerusalem at this point in time, they didn't really have farm plots the way that we do. You had your piece of property, you throw your seed, and people would find their way through it, make their way to the city, and needless to say, you can see the path here, not a whole lot growing on it. Well, Jesus says here, in verse 9, and the thing we see here is when it comes to the path is, ultimately there's an unwillingness to hear. Matthew 13, verse 4 says, As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. And now we know that he threw this parable on out there, and then his guys, he got together with them, and he kind of clarified things for them. So I'm going to give you the initial verse, as well as the clarification at the same time, as he breaks down the parable. Matthew 13, verse 19, it says, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You know, it's kind of interesting, the response to, to Jesus. It was foretold through the prophets. When it was Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, got a little bit of foreknowledge as to what was going on there. John the Baptist preached the word about Christ. And then we see Jesus ushering in the kingdom as well. The issue was, were people really listening? You know, it's kind of, kind of, we look at the responses. What was the response that King Herod had to the acknowledgement of a, a king that was coming, a king to the Jews? He wanted him dead. And I think it's amazing how harsh a reaction, but the problem he had was again, he heard that this Jesus was coming, but didn't understand the message. He was afraid that it was a king of the Jews that was going to bump him out of his kingdom. So what did he do? Had all the infants Two and under, killed, because of his misunderstanding. And what does it take to understand? We've got to listen. We've got to slow down. Especially this time of year, we've got to pay attention. It says that they don't understand. The seeds are scattered. And this is the thing that's awesome about God. We've got four aspects here, four soils that we're going to be looking at. You know what? God doesn't pre-qualify. He sows the seed. He wanted everybody to have the opportunity to come to him. And again, with this parable, everybody at that point in time understood and was well acquainted with planting seeds in Jesus' time. The next soil that we're looking at, some of you have been to Jerusalem or seen pictures of Jerusalem. It's basically a mountain of limestone. There's dust, sand, dirt that's over the top of it. But when it comes to planting stuff in a lot of the areas there, it's very, very challenging. And with shallow soil, ultimately what happens is the roots lead to death. Continue here in Matthew. There we go. Matthew 13, verse 5. It says, Other seeds fell in the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Again, Jesus breaking it down here says in verse 20, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's Word. 
You know, one of the things that we, one of the ways we've been designed is we're emotional people, right? There can be good emotions, not so good emotions, depending upon how we respond to different situations. And this is exactly what can take place with the word. I know for me, it didn't really excite me out of the shoot. Maybe it was because of a lot of different things that I'd seen through the years. It wasn't until I really got in there and had someone teach me that I was able to grasp it. But for the bulk of my life, the shallow soil was kind of where I operated. You know, there might have been a girl I was dating. She got me to church, got excited about it for a little bit, would try to attempt to read the Bible, didn't really understand what I was doing, got lazy. Then I was gone. And I think this is the thing that can take place a lot of times when it comes to our relationship with God. If we're excited about it, things are going good, we hang on to it. But what, what takes place when we lose that degree of excitement? We've got to make sure that we're deepening our roots on a daily basis. I, I've got some practicals we'll talk about at the end that'll, that'll help us with that. One of the things that, that excites me about God's Word is seeing through the Bible how people can respond to it. Most of us are familiar with Korah's rebellion. There's a group of Psalms in the Bible that are attributed to the sons of Korah. And these guys, their, their entire family, the bulk of their family was, was killed because of the, the way they rebelled towards God and Moses. Yet these guys stayed the path, they stayed faithful, and it was amazing the degree of contentment that they had. It, it, they didn't have to be the, the priest of all Levitical priests. They were, in their Psalms, they talk about, hey, if I can be so much as a doorkeeper at the temple, that's enough to excite me for the rest of my life. And not allowing situations to dissuade us from a relationship with God. Next oil that we're looking at, we've got thorns. You know, I, uh, I've shared before, I had, I had a vineyard that I put in a number of years ago. Between the rabbits, the squirrels, and these guys, it would amaze me. I, I would prepare the ground, I'd put the black plastic out, I would bake the seeds so that the weeds wouldn't come up. But you know, there's this thing called wind. And you got neighboring properties where people maybe don't maintain them quite as well. And I had these little vines that were trying to come up, and I had it set up with a drip line, so the drip was positioned in the hose right over each one of the vines. It was amazing. Within a couple of weeks, you'd have weeds. The vines were about this thick. You had weeds with bases on them like this, and they were sucking up all the water and the nutrients. And again, this was something that farmers in Jesus' day would understand. That's why he gave them this parable. And this, this uh, particular situation to look at. When it comes to the thorns, Satan can get us into a chokehold. First chance that he can. There are so many different things that take place in life that, that can rob us from that relationship with God. Matthew 13 verse 7 says that other seeds fell among the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hears God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Any of you have situations or things that, that are begging for your attention? You know, I remember making the transition out of the uh, paid ministry a number of years back, transitioning into the, uh, back into a secular job after having done that for 12 years. You know, your resume has a few weak points in it over that period of time. And it was challenging. You know, the first job was with Yellow Book. It was just barely eking it out financially. 
And I, I really started questioning God. It's like, what the heck's going on, man? I mean, I've poured my life out for you. I've done all these great things for you. God, I'm so awesome. Where's the reward here, man? Come on. And I just, I just remember trotting down that road. It got so discouraging. Then lo and behold, you know, it's my biggest issue with God is I'm, I'm not patient. I have a problem waiting on God. I mean, he's always taken care of me. I look back over the last 21 years, he's always been there. That's never been an issue. It's kind of when you're in the mix, you know, it's kind of hard figuring out what he's planning next. But, you know, they, he took care of me with an incredible job managing a Hummer Cadillac and Saab dealership. But in hindsight, looking back, the thing that, the reason I was at that Yellow Book job was there was a family, a guy that I managed that was converted during that six-month period of time that I was there. God gave me the opportunity to have him in my life for him to, we get together and talk about some of the craziness there with the company and the management and all. Eventually he came out to Bible study and he and his entire family became Christians. So looking back, I could understand that little stopover at Yellow Book. But it's, it's so crazy the things that can get in there and have us doubt our own faith, our own relationship with God, and how destructive that can be. You know, one of the other things in this day and age with the media, as we see in this passage, what's one of the other things that can lure us away from God? Wealth. I mean, we live in the midst of it. I mean, coastal LA, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, where else do you see the Ferraris, Maseratis, the, uh, you know, whatever? I mean, they're all out there. These multi-gazillion dollar homes. And it's interesting. If you, if you ask a wealthy person, if they've arrived, what, what's usually the response? No. There's always that lure of more. I remember just in the different positions that I've managed prior to becoming a Christian, it was always, you know, you get to the top of the ladder, it's like, oh, jeez, I guess I need to push the next set of rungs up because I'm not happy with where I'm at here. And it's this never-ending chase to try and acquire more. Because Satan's got us duped. It wasn't until studying the Bible and understanding there was so much more to life and God gave me a purpose that I was able to push those other things aside, but Satan will constantly be at our door trying to distract us, trying to choke us out, trying to keep us for himself. You know, I looked at Dwight and Cheryl Velarde. Incredible example. I've seen people walk away from God for a lot less than they've endured this past year. I think they're just such a testament to the power of God, but more than anything, being deeply rooted in their faith. You know, losing a family member, losing a job. I mean, all these different things. It's like, I started thinking, okay, God, when are you going to let up? I mean, one, one thing after another here. But you know, that's the reality of the world we live in. We have challenges. There are situations. But how much more so do we want to go down that road with God than trying to go down that road on our own? You know, we need to break free. This is one of the things that Jesus is talking to us about here in this, in that, we need to shut out all those other voices, the voices of greed and materialism, worldliness, doubt, those attitudes that can get in there and choke us on out. Next transition here is to something that looks a whole lot nicer, right? You know, those first three examples that we looked at, none of the seeds in those first three examples produced any fruit. And the issue is that seeds need good soil. Let's take a look here. What happens in good, in good soil when that seed is sown? It's fruitful. It grows. It produces. In Matthew 13, verse 8, it says, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
And as he breaks it down here in verse 23, it says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So the good soil is the believer who hears, and as it says here, listens, believes, and understands. And the thing that's so awesome about that, we can lose sight of that understanding. We can lose sight of that faith and belief. What happens? Is it possible to be in the good soil then slip back into one of the other ones? You know, for the weeds to come back in or for it to be hardened on over? Of course it is. And this is why it's so important that we stay in that relationship with God on a daily basis. It keeps that heart soft. It's like working soil. You know, you can get out there and you can dig it on up. Three or four weeks later, after a rainfall and some sun, what happens? It's hard again. It gets hard again. In Hosea 10, verse 12, says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. You know, the whole thing with breaking up the unplowed ground, it's starting over. It represents newness. And I think that's one of the ways we can keep our relationship with God fresh. Take that assessment. Where are you at today? Are you excited about your relationship with God? So if not, it's time to get out the shovel and start breaking that thing on up again. Some of you have been coming around for a while. Some of you have been studying the Bible. I mean, what else does Jesus need to do? Did he not already die for you? Hasn't he already opened up and given you the possibility to enter the kingdom? It's kind of like at Christmas time. Somebody buys you a gift. They extend their hand to you with it. What are you going to do? I mean, you got the choice of doing one of two things. You can, you know, accept it or not. But what do we have at stake here? I mean, it's eternity that we're dealing with. It's eternity for us. And as the, the passage said in Matthew, what, what, what does that good soil, seed in the good soil do? Produce ten times, sixty times, a hundred times. And that's exactly what we've got in each and every one of us. Jesus had one body. And he went out just like we're called to, preaching the word. Each of us have the Holy Spirit. How much more productive can we be in our communities? And this is a very hopeless time of year for people. Highest rate of depression, highest rate of suicide. Why? So I think the media can paint one picture of Christmas. And you know, we like that little manger scene. We like peace. We, we like loving families. We love spending time together in those areas. But how often does that get off track? And then what, what do we have left? Disappointment? But God gives us the ability to overcome all those things. God's, God reminds us to prepare our hearts and minds and to come near to Him and to listen. I, as that plowed field we saw earlier, actually I've got another one in here. Maybe. There we go. Unplowed ground. Doesn't look too good, right? What's it take to make that look nice? It takes a little bit of work. Man, I, I love, maybe I'm a little weird, but I, you know, I can be driving along and if there's a hillside that's newly plowed, I get excited. I mean, I look at that dirt, it, it, it looks clean. I mean, it's just dark, brown, warm, to me, inviting. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a farm down the road for me or something, I don't know, but I, I look at that picture with the tractor and it's just, that is so cool, but what did it take to get it in that condition? It took work. You know, as you sit here today, what's your heart look like? 
I mean, the first picture or the second picture, and we've got the ability to have it looking nice and warm and brown and inviting. Enable a, a soft heart that will allow that seed to be sown and grow. So we need to make sure that we're taking the time to prepare our hearts. You know, God wants us to be able to live life to the full. Yeah, the bottom line is, yeah, are some of the things that Jesus Christ has established for us a little challenging? Yeah? Do, does he have expectations? Yeah? Is life challenging with or without God? Yeah? What else does he do? Does he just come at us with expectations? No, he's got some incredible promises. And this is kind of interesting. I spent, you can ask my wife, probably 15, 20 hours the last two weeks reading this passages in various translations, going through multiple commentary after commentary after commentary. And the thing that blew me away with the commentaries is when you looked up good news of the gospel, there was very little good news. It was all about what you're supposed to do with it. Which kind of shocked me a little bit, so I had to spend a lot more time because there wasn't anybody that had already done the homework for me where I could just go and look, okay, here's a list of the good news. Well, I've got a gift for you all tonight as well. I put together a list of good news, the gospel and the corresponding scriptures, and a little things to do thing for uh, Christmas. So if you want them, I've got both these sheets on the back table there for you. But, you know, ultimately, the good news is incredible. We, we talk about the gospel. We talk about the good news. But ultimately, what does that mean? If you hear. Let's take a look at a few of them here. Hello. Can you give me some help? There we go. Here, here comes some help. No, I went the wrong way. That's it? Well, I must have lost a slide there, so I will just go ahead and read a few from here. <laughs> that means I lost my practicals, too. Okay, well, when it comes to the good news, Luke 4, verse 18 through 19, says we will be healed and freed. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging, especially when I look back at the things that I've been freed from. John 14, verse 3 says, we will always be with God. Luke 12, verse 3 says, as His servants, we will be, rewar- we will be rewarded. Philippians 3.21 says, our weak mortal bodies will be transformed into a glorious body just like Christ. Colossians 3.4 says that we will share in God's glory. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, we will stand before God holy and blameless. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 talks about those who have already died will be the first ones to resurrect and join God when Jesus Christ comes back. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 promises us a changed life. 1 Peter 5.4 We will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. And 1 John 3.2 says we will be like Christ and see Him as He really is. And then ultimately in Acts 8, verse 1-8, through 8, talks about how we are given a gift. It was interesting. There was a period of time where persecution hit the church there in the first century in Acts. The disciples, what happened with them because of that persecution? They were scattered. Just like that seed being scattered into a field. They were scattered into the known world to take the gift that they had been given and turn around and give that gift to others. Just in conclusion... He who has ears, let him hear. You know, Max Lucado has a 
a little story from one of his books that I wanted to uh, share with you briefly, and then we'll close this on down. It says, God loves to decorate. Let him live long enough in your heart, and that heart will begin to change. Portraits of hurt will be replaced by landscapes of grace. Walls of anger will be demolished, and shaky foundations restored. God can no more leave a life unchanged than a mother can leave her child's tear untouched. It's not enough for Him to own you. He wants to change you. Now, where you and I might be satisfied with a recliner and a refrigerator, He refuses to settle for any dwelling short of a palace. After all, this is His house. No expense is spared. No corners are cut. You know, when you think about what He wants to do with our lives, I mean, basically, it's like an extreme makeover, right? He's remodeling us. How many of you guys have gone through remodels in, in your homes? They're a lot of fun, aren't they? You know, I remember uh, just having some simple flooring done. And uh, I don't know, the, the guys that did the flooring before us, wrong glue, all kinds of issues. I'm in there with this jackhammer type thing with a blade on it, trying to get the glue up. And I kid you not, a year later, I'm still finding dust from that job where that stuff was removed from the floor. Remodeling isn't easy. It can be a little painful. But guys, aren't we excited about that final product? And this is exactly what it is with, how it is with God. God is in the process, if we're willing, if we're soft enough when it comes to our hearts to listen, He's gonna do the remodel for free. He does the cleanup. I mean, that's awesome. So I think just thinking through this today, looking at those four different soils, some of the practicals as we go into the holiday season, I think number one, take some time if you've got some downtime from work to get into some good spiritual books. We talked about this in our leaders meeting today. Go after the Word. Spend some time reading things that talk about God. That'll work on the heart. That'll soften the heart on up. Max Lucado's got some great stuff. I mean, just reading through the story, just seeing the kind of love that God has for us. As we think through the end of the year, Many of you got family members and friends that you've been involved with as you've been brought to Christ, helping them to Christ. Don't lose sight of that just because it's Christmas time and the shopping and the other things that are going on. Let's make sure we're focused and we can make a difference in their lives as others made in ours. Amen? So, you know, we we know Revelation 3.20 is a a text that's taken out of context a lot and that it's, it's actually addressed to the church. It's not addressed to people as to how to become Christians. We know we need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. But in that passage, it talks about how Jesus is knocking on the door to our hearts. You know, do you hear Him? Are you listening? And I truly believe with all my heart, Jesus is not saying, hey, let's do lunch. What Jesus is saying is, hey, let's do life. You and me together for eternity. Amen? God bless.